I'm Bettina from Bettina's Kitchen and I'm a plant-based chef, cookbook author and blogger. And I'm Nikki from Rebel Recipes. I'm a food blogger and also a cookbook author. And this is our podcast, What the Focaccia, kindly brought to you by the lovely team at Odyssey. Very much like us, Odyssey believe that food is a way of getting us back in touch with the things that matter the most in life. Food is so good at bringing us together, getting us to think about new ideas and, of course, feeding good conversation. Bettina, you're so right. Odyssey actually specialise in supplying fabulous Greek and Mediterranean flavours and ingredients. And you can see it all for yourself on their website, which is odyssey.com, spelt O-D-Y-S-E-A. It's definitely worth checking them out. And also they have a recipe section which has some amazing food ideas. And they have very kindly given us an exclusive offer for all of our podcast listeners. So if you order anything from Odyssey and use the code WTF15 at the checkout, you'll get 15% off, which is even more of a reason to check out their lovely produce. Right, let's meet this week's guest. Anna Jones is award-winning cookbook author, food writer and stylist. She has a wonderful column in The Guardian and she's a seasonal veg lover, just like us. Anna, we're so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm a big fan of both of your work and books and everything. So yeah, just looking forward to a lovely chat about veg. (laughs) Yes, me too. So Anna, my first question for you. So honestly, I am such a huge fan of your books. And um, I think your book was certainly even before I, you know, went on Instagram or anything, your first book came out. And I just thought it was amazing and quite, you know, so different. And, you know, I've always been into veg-based food and I just, oh, yeah, it was just so good and recommended it to loads of my friends. Um, but have you always been into food? I mean, it's quite well documented how you're working with Jamie, but is has food always been a passion? It definitely has. Thank you for those very kind words, by the way. Yeah, the book, my book came out six years ago yesterday, actually, which feels like a very yeah. long time ago. I feel like sort of like, I don't know, a bit of a granny, but you know, I'm no, not compared to, compared to the <laughs> Nigel Slaters who've been yeah. writing books for 75 million years or whatever. Um, so yes, um, food has always been a massive part of my life. Um, I kind of grew up with a mum who my mum doesn't like cooking you know she'll hold her hands up and say she's just not she's not into it um so for her it was just always a bit of drag getting food on the table she always fed us really well really healthily um you know was always very you know generous and there was always we always sat around a table um but it wasn't something that kind of she got excited by um and I think, and I started getting really excited by it, but obviously my mum wasn't the sort of person that would like lift me up onto a little stool and, you know, get me to stir the dinner because that just wasn't how she operated. Um, but from quite an early age, my mum sort of saw that that was a big interest for me and bought me lots of cookbooks. And from really quite a young age, like 10 or 11, she, you know, allowed me to like cook stuff for the family meal and things like that from cookbooks so um you know whilst it wasn't wasn't definitely wasn't a sort of stirring you know jam pans next to my mom she definitely fostered an interest mm. and um gave me the kind of um autonomy and confidence to cook from a really early age so yeah I was like one of those weird kids I, I remember like my sister playing outside on the climbing frame and I'd be inside like making lemon mousse and like yeah. really weird sort of like <laughs> slightly <laughs> 80s things from my mum's yeah. old cookbooks I, yeah. <laughs> I did that as well was home and and cooked but uh, just a question just a question on that uh, did your did your mum allow you to use the cooker on your own or did she 
sort of shadow you? I think she definitely shadowed me. So, like, if I was cooking, I think when I got a bit older, sort of 12, 13, she let me sort of totally cook on my own. Um, but she definitely was always around and sort of, yeah, just just mm. made made sure no, the house wasn't going to burn down. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I started cooking for myself at about 13 or 14, but completely. Mum actually just gave me the, the um, part of the weekly budget and I just started cooking for oh, myself. Amazing. Yeah, because, um, I mean, my mum... Is, mum's also a good cook but very traditional you know sort of meats and vegetables and that sort of thing um and I just because I just wasn't interested in eating meat at all I think she just gave up just like just just cook what you want to yeah <laughs> make you yeah. make your own weird food it's absolutely fine but um, I think I think that's a brilliant way of doing it isn't it it's a really brilliant way of kind of you know empowering kids with you know and and young people with you know yeah with with some autonomy and with some yeah. confidence that they can make their own decisions around food. And I think when I definitely know with my son, when he feels like he's making the decisions, it's, it's a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really, really is. Mm. So you started cooking from a very early age and all throughout your books, you've got quite a strong food ethos. And when do you think that sort of came about? Or how it came about, or has it developed over time? Yeah. yeah, it's it definitely has developed over time. I mean, you know, I remember literally looking at things like microchips and thinking, you know, remember those microwavable chips in a box and remember thinking that they were literally like the height of sophistication and like so cool. Um, and I guess to a kid they are quite cool. They're quite space age. But yeah, definitely, there were, you know, I haven't always had this food ethos I've definitely you know growing up I definitely had you know some um some trashy things that I loved you know me and my sister were obsessed with kind of American diner food and you know milkshakes and you know but we both had very sweet tooth so whilst my mum was always trying to sort of you know steer us towards the kind of sugar-free jams and the you know all of that kind of thing and the sort of carob puddings and stuff (laughs) you know we definitely we were definitely trying to sort of you know snuffle the mini mars bars so no it has developed over time i think i spent a long time um working with jamie oliver um and working so i sort of helped him do recipe development and and um food styling and worked on lots of his books but also worked on a lot of his kind of social impact programs so the school dinners programs and also um the food revolution thing he did um in america and the ministry of food that he did here so as part of that i was kind of going around people's kitchens and and kind of um you know trying to help them shift how they ate so through that a lot of kind of knowledge about nutrition um sort of rose to the surface and i think you know i obviously share a lot of Jamie's kind of ethos and that has been a big part of how I've um yeah of how I've kind of built up how I think about food I became vegetarian about 12 years ago now um and that kind of really shifted things for me I just started cooking in a completely different way and I think you know perhaps for the first time in my life I was really conscious of the effects that different foods were having on my body and how they were making me feel um and I think that has just you know sort of added another layer on top of how I sort of um think about food yeah I think um, but I think sometimes it takes a little while to actually understand 
basically you know the effects on your body because I know that I had quite a sort of disassociated relationship with sort of food and the impact it's having my body for years and years so I think sometimes that takes a long time to to grow and you can actually understand that I think I think it really does and I I think it actually takes you know taking stuff away and stripping things back to sort of which is what I did when I first became vegetarian I just wanted to really simplify my diet and you know make everything very um you know I guess I hate the word clean but just a bit simpler um and then you know when you start then adding things back in you actually realize the effects that they were having but I think until you get back to zero it's very difficult you know if you're you know I still I still crave you know chocolate at four o'clock I still eat chocolate at four o'clock sometimes it's not like I don't do those things you know it's um but it's it's doing it with a with a kind of um yeah, just with the mindfulness and knowing that if I eat that, I'll probably feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> and is it worth yeah. it? Nine times out of ten, I'll say, yes, it is worth it. I'll yeah, have that piece of chocolate. It's always worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, did, did you, because um, we sort of, you know, had, had fun laser chats that sort of, you know, the sort of vegan and vegetarian diets, um, you know, it's 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 a conversation and people do it for ethical reasons or health reasons. Um, you know, when you decided to become vegetarian, were you thinking about health or was it was it some more ethical environmental reasons? Um, it was more about health for me at the time. I was working um at Jamie Oliver's at the time and I've been there for quite a long time and by that point Jamie's business had really grown and there were I'm sure you've been in there lots of times both of you I'm sure in the in the offices where they had like a test kitchen in every corner so and there were people testing recipes in each of those kitchens um kind of all day long and I think because I'd been there for quite a long time people were coming up to me you know every sort of 10 minutes being like Anna can you try this what do you think of this what do you think of that I mean it was unbelievable and amazing and a complete dream come true and the most brilliant education in kind of food and flavor and recipe testing and writing and all of those things um but I think I just eventually after a lot of years of that came became a bit overwhelmed by food and I the thing that had had always been the kind of driver in my gut you know my my you know food was always the thing that got me excited and all of a sudden I was kind of feeling a bit like it was feeling like a bit of a drag and I was like right I've got to do something about this you know I can't you know I I need to like rekindle my love for it again and so I decided to just for two weeks simplify my diet and um just eat fruit vegetables and you know some great you know quinoa and things like that and I just haven't looked back um it wasn't it wasn't like a lifetime decision I made at the time but when I started doing it I felt so good and so different and I loved how it made me think about cooking um so yeah so I I get asked this question quite a lot and I'm sure that uh you guys do as well and that is what's what What's the future or what what are the future trends for sort of next year? I think we've seen I've certainly seen a lot of jackfruit. You know, jackfruit as a meat replacer and there's been a lot of these products that have, have sort of been emulating meat like the 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 burgers. Um and there's a lot of companies and supermarkets now that have gone out with their own labels and stuff like that. So what what do you think is next in terms of the future of vegetarian and I guess vegan cooking? as products do you, or do you think ingredients in the, in the market or in the market or in terms of recipes just generally 
Yeah, I think, um, I think, well, there's been a massive revolution in kind of like the vegan and vegetarian stuff in supermarkets the last few years. And I think, um, you know, I really welcome that because I think everyone who's making, I, I think people who are making choices not to eat meat and fish, you know, some people, they need a really easy bridge. And I think sometimes these you know meat you know sort of fake meat products for want of a better term um are actually a really good bridge for people um they're not something that i love like occasionally i'll have a burger or whatever but um uh, obviously a veggie burger not occasionally i just have a steak no obviously i never do that um but occasionally you know my my brother who's vegan he's quite he's much more into kind of like vegan burgers and meat replacements so sometimes you know i'll have them with him but um yeah i think hopefully there'll be a bit more of an evolution from that to um some vegan and vegetarian products that are actually made with vegetables and things that um things that are not lab grown like I just um you know I understand the the premise of wanting to create ways of growing food in you know that way if the whole world turns vegan and vegetarian then yes you know we probably are going to have to turn to some of those alternatives but the reality is at the moment is that's not where we're at so why don't we use the amazing delicious natural things that we have and kind of um you know make some products with that so I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens that's the evolution a bit in the supermarkets um because for me I just don't want a burger that bleeds I mean I don't no. want a burger made of vegetables I don't get it I don't get it at all I mean I've done some um well, it has a conversation with a couple of retailers. My background mm. is in, in sort of food marketing. And, okay. um, and I just always find it incredibly interesting because what they're interest, interested in was literally, I mean, maybe things have changed a little bit in the last year, I'm not sure, but certainly the year before last, it was just all about emulating a meat product. Mm. And, mm. and, as, and as, as you say, of course, people that, you know, are transitioning and, you know, are doing it for ethical reasons, they want to have something that's maybe similar to meat. Mm. But there's a whole raft of people that just want to have delicious vegetable based food. Yeah. That wants something that tastes great and is healthy. Mm. And I think mm. sometimes that they're missing a trick there. Yeah, I absolutely think they are. And I, I yeah, I hope that that's going to kind of be the evolution. Um, I think, and also I think um, one thing I've been really noticing, especially with the whole, um, you know, the way things have been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff, I think there's going to be a big, you know, there has to be a revolution within the food industry and the food media, you know, lifting up and supporting more black voices and also to be, you know, celebrating people from all different backgrounds and all the different kind of food heritage and culture that I think we, you know, that has, you know, not been celebrated in the right way over the past, you know, forever, forever basically. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a change that I hope to be part of and that I really um, hope that we'll see in cookbooks, in, in the food media and, you know, eventually in you know, in the products on our supermarket shelves. Yeah, I think 100%. I think it's got to happen. I think there's, mm. yeah, I think there's a, like, never it's got to happen. motivation mm. to do that, I hope. So um, what do you, what's like a typical daily food in, you know, food, what's on the menu in your household, typically? 
typically every day I've actually been doing um like a 16 hour fast through lockdown mm. so I've been doing I've been trying to finish eating at seven and then not eating again until like 11 or 12 um just because I don't know I was just feeling at the beginning of lockdown like it was just a sort of constant grazing scenario and I've been wanting to try the sort of 16 hour fasting for you know intermittent fasting for for some time and just you know with work and getting out early in the morning and being offered coffees and you know going and getting coffees on the way to work I just never managed it so I've been doing that which actually I've been really loving and I feel like eating a bit earlier in the evening and then having giving my digestive system a break that big long break has been really brilliant um so in our house at the moment um I usually get up and I'll make breakfast for my son and you know and and or my husband will and they'll sit around and have usually it's like loads of fruit and then you know either some sort of pancakes um I have some from my first book which I make with kind of oats and um they're they're vegan ones with blueberries he loves those or we just have you know he just has toast or whatever or porridge and then I have generally been sort of eating something about lunchtime um so sort of joining in with my husband for lunch so we've been having lots of I've been just craving really like crunchy fresh vegetables at the moment um so we've been having I've been making a lot of salads we've been doing a lot of I've been buying those massive delicious jars of you know pre-cooked beans um so we can make quick chickpea salads I've been making a salad which actually I saw you know honey and co those amazing guys I love them they made this delicious salad with cucumber radishes kohlrabi and then um some herbs a really simple lemon vinaigrette and actually some sort of crispy halloumi croutons which i know is not your guys vibe but um the vegan halloumi actually i've been getting my hands on for my brother has been really good as well so so big fresh salads and then sort of working some protein in there at lunchtime and then in the yeah i i usually have sort of a coffee and at about 11 and then and then just go straight into lunch and then in the evenings we've been doing all sorts of stuff i've been doing lockdown with my mom and dad so our their palettes are slightly different to mine there my mom and dad are so cool they basically my brother became vegan about about sort of 14 years ago he's 10 years younger than me so he became vegan sort of in his mid-teens and um I've became vegetarian shortly after my sister became vegetarian and actually it's kind of gone upwards in our family so I know lots of families have a struggle where the mum and dad are like oh I still want my steak whereas my mum and dad now are you know almost 90% vegan they have a very small amount of fish here and there um but their palates are slightly different me and Johnny a lot of um we eat a lot of quite spicy food quite a lot of Thai stuff quite a lot of South Indian curries and things which I'm so into but it's not necessarily their palate so we've been doing here we've been doing a lot more pasta i've actually got an outdoor pizza oven it's like a little gas one yeah on a company called uni which is honestly i mean i should be a salesperson for them it's amazing so yeah it has been the highlight of our lockdown honestly because you know we've been we've been making low you know pizzas like at least once a week um So, yeah, we kind of mix things up a bit, I think, in the evenings. And I try and, you know, we have sort of some favourites, but then I try and sort of work in some other different interesting stuff. So are you you mostly doing the cooking or is it shared? um, No, it's mainly me. (laughs) 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 Um, But 
you know, I figure my mom and dad are letting me stay here, so yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of my rent, and I enjoy it. Sometimes after a, you know a day doing other work, writing recipes, sitting on my laptop, you know, I'll finish up that at sort of you know six o'clock, and I don't don't really feel like cooking. And then you know, sometimes, occasionally, my mom or John will cook something. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's nice, and it's it's nice. It's different for me because I'm just used to cooking for me and John and and Dylan, my son. Um, but then cooking for like four adults and a kid is it's a bit more of an undertaking. But it's been really fun actually. It's been nice to all sit around a table at the end of the day, especially in these the beginning of lockdown, which felt like a sort of weird time. It was nice to have that connection and that nice focus. Family meal, yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. I really, really want to know about your next book. Um, what can you? What are you allowed to tell us? What can you tell us? When it? When is it out? It's actually out next March. It was supposed oh. to be out in October. Oh, um, it, yes. So yeah. it's going to be out in March, um, which feels a long way away, but time always whips by, doesn't it? Um, so it's called One. Um, and it's... So the recipes in it are all, I hope, um, a little bit simpler than the recipes in my other books. They're all based around um, sort of the, the vessel that you cook the food in. So either one pot, one tray, one pan, and then there's a there's some super quick kind of under 20 minute recipes all, all grouped together in a chapter two. Um, just because I feel like that's how I cook these days. That's how I want to cook. Um, and it's sort of also, I did a lot of research because the, the, there's the, the cooking side of the book, but then I've also sort of taken a bit of a deeper dive into the sort of sustainability around food and um, both the ingredients and the cooking processes and, um, you know, the sort of wider thoughts and the, and, and the sort of decision making you make when you go shopping. So, um, yeah, a lot of that was trying to simplify things to make it easier for people, but also to simplify things to make your cooking more sustainable, both in the you know the, you know there's lots of nuances you know if if you turn an oven on and three hobs on you're obviously using loads more energy to cook than you would be if you just stuck a tray in the oven um you know if you're washing up four thousand you know <laughs> bowls that you've used to make something you're obviously using more energy more water and so so whilst those little things are small i think if we sort of simplify and focus on flavor then um you know, it's easier to cook, but we're also reducing our impact in lots of ways. Oh, and the and the 100%. book is all it's all vegetarian and vegan. So every single recipe, um, a lot of the recipes are vegan in themselves. But it, it, if there is a recipe that uses any yogurt or cheese, um, then then I've also written a complete vegan swap. So so it's it's amazing. It, you know, it's not. So yeah, it's good. Oh, that sounds great. I think that's exactly what people, you know, that, that that is how people cook, isn't it? Genuinely, people want simplicity, but, you know, sort of maximising the flavours. Mm, mm. I yeah. think so. Well, that's how I want to cook. A hundred percent. I've also realised that a lot of people don't love cooking. I mean, mm. we love cooking, but a lot of people don't love cooking, but they still want to feed themselves well. Mm. With mm. sort of minimal fuss, minimal ingredients, and like you say, pop everything into a tray, put every mm. pop everything into a pot, and sort of be able to um, to um, come up with an easy and sort of nutritious meal that's been mm. cooked from scratch. Mm. Like you say, I I love cooking and I love the process, but some nights, like I said earlier, at, you know, six seven. O'clock, 
clock like I really don't want to cook and I really you know sometimes actually resent the fact that I've got to make dinner not often but occasionally (laughs) and I think that headspace for me is quite useful because I think a lot of people are always in that headspace when they come home from work they're like oh god I've got to cook again you know and And so frazzled and yeah yeah yeah, exactly and I think we as cooks perhaps don't understand you know for us to do all the chopping for a recipe might take four or five minutes and for someone who perhaps hasn't used a knife so much who doesn't have a you know food processor that might take half an hour and so trying to sort of understand all of those things um yeah is really helpful and I get actually non I get lots of friends who aren't cooks who are just sort of you know you know all my brilliant friends who do lots of different jobs but cooking isn't their thing I get them all to test the recipes and then feed back to me as well because um and I feel like that feedback is really important um, because if you're just getting professional cooks to test your recipes all the time, you're not getting that kind of real feedback. Um, mm. we're, we're unfortunately almost coming to an end, uh. but... Um, <laughs> oh, we what a all, shame. I know, we've just gotten started. Um, we, the last question that we ask all of our lovely podcast guests is um if you have any words of wisdom or if you've gotten or received um words of advice that has have stuck with you or words that you live by words that i live by so i there is this phrase this american phrase which is not very poetic and sounds really punchy um which you know which everyone will know of but it's like you don't ask you don't get and I'm sure there's a more poetic way of saying that but I think a lot of um the things that have happened to me in my career and also you know in my personal life have been because I've kind of stuck my neck out and I've kind of asked someone I respect if I could help them or work with them or do a favor or um you know or or any of those things and I think sometimes it's it does feel really scary to do that and to put yourself um, kind of on the line and to, um, you know, be that guy. It's like, I'm a big fan. I love you. Can I help? You know, it feels quite exposing. Um, but I think quite often um, that kind of, and, and I think as as a person, I'm kind of like, I'm quite a people pleaser. I kind of try and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sort of, I am ambitious, but I'm not, someone who would go out and really fight for all the things for myself I want to make sure everyone in the room is okay so I think that's something that I force myself into sometimes I force myself mm. to kind of ask the questions or ask people if I can do something or ask if I can you know cook dinner with someone I really respect or whatever um and it feels scary and it is scary but more often than not I'm so surprised by the kind of kindness of people and not just now when I've sort of I guess established myself a bit and written some books you know from the very beginning of my career you know the sort of working for Jamie Oliver and doing all the other things I did which have kind of you know paved the way for me to be able to do this as my job were because I did sort of say please can I do this can you help is there anything I can do and so I think um those are words that I constantly ring around my head especially when I'm feeling like a little bit like oh god a little bit sort of um a bit meek and a bit like you know I'm not sure where to go next oh I think that's amazing advice that's really good advice I think (laughs) just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is all it's always scary isn't it Mm, but mm, but mm. I agree whenever I I've done that 
well, I, I think I put myself in scary situations all the time. But um, but when I have, I'm always surprised by the mm. you know the good outcome. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, it's been amazing. I I I could chat to you. We could chat to you all all, all day long. Oh, I could <laughs> it's just been amazing chat all having day long. You. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> nice, isn't it? It's so. It feels so precious in these in these times where we're not seeing other people to kind of have these conversations. Obviously, I would love to have these, you know, a, a chat with you guys anytime. But it just feels especially precious at times like this when you know it's it's harder to kind of see each other and communicate. And 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 I've loved the podcasts I've listened to, so I'm absolutely Aww. you know such such Aww. a pleasure to be on here. So thanks Aww. so much. Aww, Anna, thank you thank so you much. So so much. Thank you very much for listening. We really do hope you enjoy our food conversations absolutely and please feel free to follow us on our socials bettina's kitchen and rebel recipes and of course all of this has been made possible thanks to our sponsor odyssey who supply incredible greek and mediterranean flavors and ingredients you can see it all for yourself along with some brilliant recipe ideas on the website which is odyssey.com spelt o-d-y-s-e-a And don't forget that as a listener to our podcast, you get an exclusive 15% off on your order just by using the code WTF15 at the checkout. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get more podcast episodes and please feel free to give us a five-star rating. Happy cooking and we'll see you soon.